Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Mike and Viana, yeah, they're playing some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. Sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R H A P B M B. Mike and Diana, yeah, they're playing some games. Let us pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R H A P B M B. You can say for free. Everybody and welcome to the RHAP BNB for episode nine of Survivor Edge of Extinction. We are all going to firmly stay in our seats and talk into our microphones. Nobody's going to get up and whisper in the corner. We are ready to break down everything from this bananas tribal council in this overall episode of Survivor 38. Welcome, welcome in our panel. First, our tried and true co-owner of the BNB here week in and week out, Liana Boris. Liana, how are you? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Uh, Unlike the edge of extinction, this is not hard and there is a lot to do because we have so much to talk about on this episode of the BNB. I cannot wait. Yes, not a lot of free time to sit around and think about stingrays and other wet cylindrical looking things that are coming out (laughs) of the ocean. There's a lot to discuss in this episode. And of course, we had to bring in one of the best survivor analysts out there. There's a lot of talk about pilots and passengers, even more so this episode. So it makes sense that we talked to somebody who a lot of us would have to go fly on an airplane to actually see the big head of all things international survivor officially, including Australia, South Africa, New Zealand. Hopefully it'll make its way back from the edge of extinction, but we're so happy to welcome back Shannon Gates to the BNB. Shannon, how are you doing? I'm great. Yeah, I like the idea of New Zealand being at edge of extinction. That's a really good comparison because I feel like the people who are there feel like they're not out, but they probably are. So I think that's what we're all kind of holding on to with Survivor New Zealand. But like maybe we'll get one of them back, you know, like that's what we're holding, uh, holding on hope for. Right. Like we might not get all of them, but maybe just one is all we need. Just one season again ever would be great. But yeah, it's kind of purgatory. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I think that Survivor New Zealand staying in it, it's teaching a, a nice lesson to its survivor children of how you don't give up as a franchise, even when the going gets tough. <laughs> classic survivor new zealand no but thank you so much for having me here it's been a really interesting couple of weeks of edge of extinction so i'm excited to talk about it a lot of really interesting strategy and i was kind of going through my notes and trying to pass out the strategy and then i realized this podcast is just going to be like wall-to-wall poop jokes right so let's just do that instead <laughs> 
<laughs> Nailed it. That's actually, uh, you know, one of our reviews on Yelp. <laughs> just wall-to-wall poop jokes, five stars. As opposed to that wall-to-wall poop that we had a while ago, but we cleared that out in the off-season. Well, that's uh-huh. good. That's good. It's good to be here and know that that's been fixed. But I think that, look, the poop line for Rick is iconic. I think it may come true to find him. And I do think that if there's ever an autobiography written about him or a biography written about him, I'm the poop colon the Rick Devon story would be a really good title. So that is the only poop joke I've prepared for this podcast. That's uh, that's actually in production. I think Matthew Perry is poised <laughs> to play Rick Devons in the upcoming biopic. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's the title. But the only place you can get to in the box office charts is number two. So I don't know if exactly <laughs> studios want to pick it up. That's classic right on point, Mike. But yeah, Matthew Perry would be like a way better Rick Devins than Ron Clark now that you're saying it, right? Like that is not who I would cast now that I know Ron Clark to play him. I know. <laughs> yeah, talk about some uh, interesting uh, casting choices. But uh... I feel like Ron Clark is more like Mr. Heckles and Chandler, you know, like mm. just an odd casting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, maybe it wasn't. Maybe Ron Clark wasn't dancing so much back during the days of the biopic. Maybe that's something he's taken up in his older age. You know, post movie, post founding of the Ron Clark Academy. I don't know. I'll admit I haven't seen the film, so I don't know exactly what that snapshot of Ron Clark's life was. But yeah, looking back on it, looking at the elder statesman version of Ron Clark, maybe Matthew Perry isn't a great fit. I'm trying to think about who would make a good Ron Clark if we made the movie now. I'm drawing a bit of a blank. Maybe someone like Jeff Goldblum could could fill that <laughs> yeah. sort of like enigmatic persona of Ron Clark. If you could get the accent down, because I think that's really important for charactering Ron Clark as a person. Like it really, uh, when I see in him, I also hear his voice at the same time. Yeah, well, now <laughs> that we're like talking about Ron Clark, I wanted to say that my favorite part of this whole episode and my major takeaway was that it introduced me to my new favorite character on the season. And that is sad Ron Clark. Like, I think that Julie was getting a lot of the emphasis because she was, like, crying and yelling and she sat on David Wright's lap. But sad Ron Clark, why the entire episode did he sound like he was being mugged? Like, did you get that? Okay, well, I didn't get mugged. I got, like, sad puppy dog. Like, tail tucked between his legs. I just don't want to go home. I just want to be a passenger. But, like, here's some actual lines that I've taken from what he said. He said... I'll vote for whoever you say. I'll do whatever you want. Just don't send me home. I will do whatever needs to happen. Don't make me do this. Like, he sounded like he was getting mugged the entire episode. It sounds like he was being held hostage by Kama. Yeah. Like, I'll do what you say. Just like, you don't need to write to Matthew Perry to ask for money to get me sent to the edge of extinction, okay? I'll do what you want. Just go to tribal council, read this statement. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah, Ron Clark is obviously not someone who does things in like half measures because last episode after one tribal council, he was like beyond on top of the world puppet master. Now he's like completely down in the dumps and there is like no middle earth between those two things. I can't even imagine what just regular Ron Clark must be like. Is that where Survivor New Zealand lives and lives in Middle Earth? Is that where its edge of extinction is? Yes, between Ron Clark puppet master and Ron Clark being held hostage slash being mugged for sure. Wow, we got real idealistic here in the first five minutes of the B&B. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. So, Shannon, you talked about the past couple of weeks being super interesting. I know you have been very vocal throughout the season, as you usually are. I got to say one of my favorite activities to do is to uh, go through my social media feed Thursday morning and just get all of your thoughts. A nice wall of Shannon Gates text. Awesome analysis behind each episode. So what are your thoughts of Edge of Extinction thus far, especially taking into account this pretty chaotic post-merge. 
Look, it's gotten pretty good, I think. You know, there are still some issues with the season that won't go away. The lopsided editing that is probably, you know, because it's too overstuffed. Edge of Extinction, I have my issues with it. But in the last couple of weeks, it's gotten really fun. Um, The move last week, I think, has been kind of the anchor of that. And I think like both of you, I didn't think it was a good move, mostly because I could kind of see this exact path happening. You know, I think I compared it to Jessica Lewis and the Gen X women taking out Paul, but then the people they betrayed and the people that they, you know, owed nothing to them, which ironically was led by David Wright, all kind of just got together to go against them then. So they made themselves a huge target. They lost a lot of options for who they could work with. They pissed some people off and then, you know, it came back to bite them there. And it seemed pretty like obvious that that could happen. And then the follow through naturally did in this episode. Um, so I don't think it was a good move. And, and something that I think isn't really being talked about is that last week they made this move and they, they had the option to control the number, control the vote and kind of decide the pace of the game. And it's something Christian Hubicki actually spoke a bit about, that he was trying to trying to make the game faster in the hope that he would just be like a better player who could handle it. But who can handle faster play? You know, it's not Karma, who had been to one tribal council, a lot of them to that point. It's Lesu, who had two veteran players in their mix and who had had the most disastrous pre-merge. One of them was literally voted out and brought back. And when you have that faster play, you're behooved when you have, you know, the skills like, you know, better you know being more calm at tribal council like how much did that come into play or having you know more logic over emotionality or having better reads which we saw with david and kelly through like all the years that they've played survivor so things like that that less you really earned through the pre-merge the thing that karma earned was to have numbers to take it slow you know for the beginning of the merge obviously they sacrificed that and now they're in a very bad position against players who are a lot more experienced than them yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting because I kind of see these the merge like pre-merge and then merge as almost like two different stories, but they're definitely two different books, but they're in the same series, if that makes sense. Like it almost feels like pre-merge is all about this less who, you know, like all of their tumultuous events that happened with them. And then this is all about this comma implosion. And it definitely feels a little disconnected, but they're definitely part of the same series in the same way. And so we kind of get to see, you know, what happened with this more seasoned group of people with David and with Kelly. And now we're sort of moving into this comma era of these new players really sort of self-destructing in such a crazy way. And it's really fun and entertaining to watch it play out. I think yeah, similarly, but I, I see it similarly, but I see, um, you know, I see it more from Leslie's point of view in both regards where, Yes, the pre-merge was all about Lesu. And this post-merge I still see is like, Le- the pre-merge was Lesu fighting with Lesu. And the post-merge is still that, but also Lesu like taking down everyone around them. Even like the massive move by, you know, Gavin and Julia was told to us every single time by War Dog made them do this. It wasn't like, good job on you. That's how I knew as well that it wasn't exactly going to go well for them. So I see it still as like, the prequel was Lesu kind of fighting against each other. And now we're in another part of it where it's Lesu taking on everyone around them. But definitely the entire season to me has been told through their lens mm. yeah i mean i would compare it to like the post-merge right now are star wars episodes four five and six where it's like okay we know there's the rebel alliance and there's the empire and then episodes one two and three were the pre-merge where it's like okay how did they become the empire how did they become the dark side uh and so although i guess at this point they're the rebel alliance now because they're sort of the underdogs i'm confusing my metaphors here but <laughs> it, it does it's an interesting point that it does and i think that's also credit to the fact that as i mentioned before on this podcast this is a weird season and especially the storytelling is extremely weird where 
the lessus are it, it feels like some people might ebb and flow in terms of their involvement in the story uh, especially this episode was really julia's episode in more ways than one when uh, suffice it to say she really has been pretty conspicuous in the previous eight episodes or so or at least the first seven and so, but the one constant to shannon's point seems to be these lessus and it really feels like amidst the uh, you know the the players that come and leave this stage of Survivor 38, it really does feel like at the end of the day, this is going to be Lesu's story. I have to feel like at least two of them are going to make the final three. That That's my prediction right now. Hmm. But do you think that it's going to be a Lesu winner? Because I guess like I kind of feel like we could see that group going deep, but I almost feel like whoever the comma member that's remaining, I think that they might be the one that ends up winning. I don't know. I, to me, it's Lesu's story. Like, I mean, obviously, there are some karma members that stand up, stand out. Victoria would probably be number one in that. But mm-hmm. it's, I mean, like, yeah, of course, Victoria would probably be in one of my first few, you know, winner rankings. But I mean, you know, in terms of who I think could win. But other than Victoria, and then to a, an extent, Julie, I would have all of Lesu there before anyone else from Karma. You know, in terms of who can win from Karma, I think like Joe and Aubrey probably have two of the best shots coming back from Edge of the Extinction. You know, like. Gavin, is that happening? Julia, obviously that wasn't happening. There's been not enough character development to make it their story. Hmm. We're going to talk a lot about the Tribal Council, and understandably so. This took up half the episode. Uh, I gotta say, also off the top, I love this episode. It took me a little while, but I gotta say, nine episodes into a 14-episode season, I'm loving Survivor Edge of Extinction. Again, I'll admit it is off the beaten path of the survivor that we know and love, especially coming off of David versus Goliath, which I think was more conventional from a game structure perspective. But listen, you know how much I love chaos. And this was just pure unbridled chaos. Do I want this to be the norm from now on as Rob is sort of uh, alluding to could be a slippery slope? Hopefully not. But I mean, I was just staring there mouth agape for the last 20 minutes of the episode, just trying to figure out what in God's name is going on. And even aside from the tribal council, you know, I tweeted about this, even the scene before tribal council, where this a good, a group of five of them just sitting, staring, stewing in their silence and trying to figure out, okay, in this extraordinary amount of downtime, what should I be doing? What are people giving off to me? How do I perceive that? Am I being overly paranoid? Should I make moves based on it? That is probably the biggest microcosm of Survivor I've seen in this modern day age. Uh, It actually took a moment to breathe and to enjoy the silence in that soundtrack. But ironically enough, that silence had the most to say about the game. And Kelly and David were the two that were really able to comment on it and pick up on it. So I thought this episode was extremely well done. It was super unconventional, but so is this season. And like this season, it's still highly entertaining. Yeah. yeah, I uh it was almost like the calm before the the calm uh, calm now before the No, 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 no. You I I'm, I'm encouraging it. I'm pumping uh, <laughs> it up. You don't need to jump ship. Okay. Uh because yeah, it was uh I I was actually thinking about it from Principal Ron Clark's perspective, which by the way, when he pulled <laughs> Gavin into his office, so you felt okay about your decision. <laughs> oh my god, so passive aggressive. I'm anyway. going to call your loved one. Yeah. And he's going to come pick you up. <laughs> exactly. So I just I have this mental image of Almost like, you know, the the kids not doing their homework before and then all of a sudden getting to tribal and then you have to scramble to like get everything together. It was so fun 
fun to see the the juxtaposition between the two scenes where you do have this like awkward, you know, stale air. And then you get into just the complete chaos that is a 30 minute tribal council, at least in terms of airtime. Um, it was so much fun. And I did not miss the reward challenge, like reward challenge. Uh, who? Nah, it was fine. Yeah, I think when I saw it was immunity instead of reward, I was like, oh, thank God. You know, sometimes you can't be bothered going through these reward challenges with teams. You can't even remember who's on what team for a reward that is relevant to us. You know, it's not like it's like their family members or anything. I was like, yeah, just go straight to immunity, please. But I, I think that in the, in this episode, they did have a plan, Karma. You know, it seems like based on all the Twitter pre- press conferences that are happening, the plan was Karma Strong to go for Kelly, and they had kind of told the Lesu three that they were going for David. But I think that this Karma three, the the all four with Aurora who made the move last week, what where they went really wrong in this episode was that when you're so chaotic last week and you blindside everyone, you need to be so strong and so clear. And unfortunately, they had lost the ability to split votes in terms of numbers because they'd made that move last week. But you have to kind of come in, make your decision and go into tribal council being like, we are karma strong, not like decoy plans, not like we're kind of working with everyone. They needed to be so much clearer than they were because obviously there was such a lack of trust there that that's what end up, ended up kind of blowing up because Julian Rogers did not trust them. Um, so I think that's, that's really where they went, went wrong. And I think that's really indicative something that Steven said on know-it-alls was when it all kind of hit the fan it was because Julia said there are many plans there should not have been many plans you should have gone and saying we have a plan against you you know it's, it's back to that very basic us against you and that's slowing the game back down to a place where you can control it but she was saying many plans and everyone else was like well I guess we'll just add another one to it but you won't be a part of it and it seems pretty obvious that that would happen and I think that's a disadvantage to bring up another Steven point about making this move at the final 12 is because I think, you know, if you make this move at like the final seven, you say, okay, we got a locked in alliance. We only have to go through a few more votes. Mm -hmm. And on paper at first, they were like, great. We have this new alliance of seven. We're going to steamroll the game. But because there's so much open territory and there are so many people, you have Julia saying, well, I kind of still want to get rid of Kelly Wentworth. And so even within that internal comma group, there seems to be a lot of, of tug of war and fighting. And as Gavin probably misappropriates it, a dictatorship going on. And so I think that that was a, another big reason why this group completely fell apart. I think we might be able to declare them DOA, considering that Gavin and Victoria turned on Julia. Aurora decided not to, I guess, to, to show her loyalty. But I mean, it seems like. They should have, to your point, Shannon, come in with a group mindset. But even within themselves, they were still playing such individualistic games that comes from the fact that they're at the final 11. You know, when you when you have so many people around you to choose from, I feel like your imagination goes wild with what you can do. The good thing about making these moves down the line is that your limit, your options are much more limited after the fact. You're like, well, I can't really jump over to the other side now. I might as well stick with the group I voted with here. The world was their oyster and they promptly, you know, just gave their pearls away to the other alliance. Yeah, the pacing of Survivor is always so, so weird to me to think about. You know, I always think about like Rob making moves in the Amazon at like eight and seven and how that would be like, you know, the second last episode in a double boot before a six person finale at this point. Obviously, it's different with final twos and threes and stuff. And you have to make moves earlier. It's also different for international Survivor when you start with 24 people or however many people in so many weeks. But just like the pacing 
of these seasons can be so odd to me. Like, really, we are, they, they made the move at final 12. And, like, think about how many people that is. I know now it seems like, okay, well, we're nine weeks into the show. Like, make your move. But so many people still to go. And, obviously, there's still 16 people in the game. And we're, you know, in April. So, it's just crazy to me the way the, the pace of the game has shifted. So uh, I think that that's a really interesting point because you talk about the pacing and I I like totally understand it's really kind of hard to get a, a, a little bit of a gauge on that. But to me, what this felt like was, OK, we're going to make like a crazy move at the merge and then we're going to make an even crazier move by taking out Eric in this the, the next tribal council. And then it felt like they really didn't have a concrete plan of what they were going to do next. Like, I know that this is a week to week game but, or, you know, three day or day to day game. But I feel like then you kind of want to think about all right all right so if we're going to do this what are we going to do next that then helps us continue to get further in the game because i feel like the disagreement between gavin and sort of the rest of the group about okay do we stick with this lesu three or do we go back to the commas and then try to be comma strong like there was no consensus on what they were going to do next like it was a very much in the moment move and i just feel like everything was so chaotic they weren't really thinking ahead or had a game plan and i know they're starved and it's hard and like i get that and it's crazy but it just felt so chaotic not just the tribal council but just the decisions that were being made moving forward so i don't know it was all insane yeah i mean yeah, i spent I mean, my entire week arguing that this was a really bad move um and what happened while I was, I was kind of trying to work out like you know why would they do this and obviously there were some pros and cons it's all risk versus reward but as i was arguing that this was nothing like the laurel situation um on twitter wardog replied to my tweet because he replies to all my tweets i literally feel like i speak to wardog more than most people in my life and he was saying i, how feel, like, I feel like if someone on twitter uses the words war and dog in a sentence, even if it's ones at the beginning and ones at the end, he's going to respond. Like oh, he's he got knows. all the possible permutations of Google mm. alerts. No, I wasn't there. even talking about him. Like, it, was completely, mm. it didn't have anything to do with Wardog, but he, then he replied and he was like, well, they showed the ghost island finale at, you know, Ponderosa before the game. And I guess kind of shamed Laurel even more for not making a move. So I was like, oh, okay. So that's why people are making these moves because they're so scared to just kind of be dormant, even though those situations are really nothing alike. And then when Gavin said in this episode, he was like, yeah, you know, Eric was my closest ally, but now I have points on my resume. I was like, no, no, no. You know what's better than points on your resume? Having your closest ally at the final freaking 11. Like that. And I think I now understand why they made a move against their best interest. And Wardog was even like, yeah, I was using the people who didn't flip in Ghost Island, you know, to, to make them scared. And I was like, okay, well, you literally just confirmed why they did this and it wasn't good. Wow. I, I love the meta gamesmanship now. Of, and I guess, you know, will this become a thing with Survivor 40? Whoever goes out there of like, hey, listen, look what Kama's doing. Don't be like Kama. <laughs> so it's almost like we keep reverting back and forth between these two extremes of extremely chaotic gameplay and extremely conservative gameplay. We're playing essentially like Ron Clark. There is no middle ground. Yeah, every mm-hmm. every second season is going to be super extreme, but the opposite. It will frustrate us every time. It's like people say Survivor fans are never happy. And I mean, like on a personal level, I don't know. Just do the right thing. Just do a good thing. I'll be very happy. You know, just don't make a bad move in either direction. And I think that's what I want. 
Well, I think it's it's hard also when, you know, you have someone who is a super fan and I'm sure if I were to ever play Survivor, I would suffer from these same issues of 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 almost relying too much on what you should you think you should be learning from the past and what you think you should be taking away from moves that other people have made. Or I feel like the people who are really, truly great Survivor players are able to just read the situation that they're in correctly and then deduce the appropriate move based on the situation that they specifically are in. Yes. Not try to equate it to someone else. And so this is I think kind of an example of that or, you know, the the image of the how, how am I going to look to the public, blah, 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 whatever the case may be. So let's get into one of these fans whose maybe judgment might have been clouded by what they just saw on Ghost Island. Let's talk about what happened to the curious case of Julia Carter. So, Liana, what did you have to say about how Julia would do preseason? I don't want to go first. Mike, can you go first? I'll go first. Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll step forward here. I'll get up and present my case. So I had Julia making the jury. Oh. I said that she'd become close with Aubrey quickly. Their brainy bond becomes one of the tightest in the game. Uh, I said she'll commonly become a decoy vote due to her nice nature. And I said that she basically gets vote out, voted out in an effort to get to Aubrey. So I guess one of those like mm. not cutting off the head of the snake, but cutting off uh, the tongue of this a very valuable body parts of the snake that's on his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, OK, so Julia was my winner pick. <laughs> I know. I know. All right. So here's what I said. Uh, Julia was a middle of the road winner. She didn't make any big hashtag game changer moves, Whoa. but she also didn't piss anyone off. I know <laughs> she was able to. It gets worse. She was able to read the room, slip under the radar and follow the numbers. Her excellent communication skills allowed her to bond with most people in the game and move from group to group. She easily won the game, especially considering she was sitting next to War Goat, <laughs> which the dog gets the name War Goat throughout the predictions. Anyway, so we can just move on. It's fine. Liana, you just described the alternate reality, the sliding doors reality. If Julia doesn't make the move last week. Because the middle of the road winner. And she didn't make any big moves, but she did win. So that's good as well. Mike, you didn't get a lot right either, except for the fact that she made the jury, but so did literally everyone in the season pretty much. So, but I mean, Liana, yours was really an actively bad prediction considering she didn't win. She did piss people off. She did make a big move kind of for the sake of it. So I think I have to give this one to Mike. That's fair. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I love that might be and I say this with all loving Liana because it's a fantastically ironic but that might be one of the worst predictions we've had in quite some time considering that literally the exact opposite of every sentence you read was Julia Carter in the past hour of television in the past oh, hour but before that she was really on Liana's path like she actually was <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly and damn it, Julia, why'd you have to watch the Ghost Island finale? Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah, this was this was a brutal one to read. You know, sometimes you like go back, you look at your predictions, you're like, oh, that's a, you know, I did a great job. Or ooh, not so close. This one was like, oh, face palm. Like I, I've never been more tempted to cheat at any of these <laughs> predictions than this one. It was just so bad. Well, well now we know you're not cheating. The choir. I'm I'm the one that predicted the Chris Noble Libby showmance back in the day. I can see it. Hot. Oh, no, no, actually, no, it was Chris Noble Chelsea. That's what it was. Oh, that's right. So that's all, It's much worse, much worse. You think like Laurel is like so over us talking about how she didn't I know, flip. poor Laurel. She's getting shamed at pregame Ponderosa. Like, no one deserves this. Like, honestly. Aww. 
Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's funny. It's like, you know, she gets a lot of criticism and I know that there's been a lot of, oh, well, Laurel didn't make a movie. You're going to be critical. These people made a movie. You're going to be critical. I guess that goes to Shannon, what you were saying about Survivor fans can never be happy. But you know what? Complaining is way more fun. <laughs> what am I supposed to be here impressed by everybody? Oh, they're having such a grand time. No, like, I, I think, I think I like Survivor fans can be happy. Like, I just think that like, because there's been a lot of talk this whole week about, well, too early is better than too late. And like, I guess. Yes, that's true. But like bad timing is bad timing anyway to me. Like just make a move right. at, if not a good time, then at least an okay time, but not like an actively bad time before or after. So, I mean, I think, I mean, I personally think I can be happy. I think I'm really working towards that. Um, it's more just, well, this got really real and like unintentionally. No, I think that Survivor fans, it's not like we hate every move. I think that's like a really false narrative. We just hate really bad moves and people have made them within the last two seasons in the last two episodes. I'd rather have dry chicken than salmonella. Well, okay. I'm a vegetarian, Mike, so can you please have a more pertinent reference? I'd rather have overcooked asparagus than too crunchy. I don't eat vegetables. Can we go to a more dessert? What do you eat then? A lot of chocolate and mayonnaise. (laughs) Ew, together? No, not together. together. I just eat a lot of mayonnaise in general. Why are we talking about what I eat? Okay. That's like saying your favorite food is butter. Like, my do you have to mayonnaise. eat it with something? Well, I mean, I guess I do have some stuff with it, but it's mostly mayonnaise. I'm grossing out a lot of people right now, and I would like to edit out the part where I talked about how I love mayonnaise so much. <laughs> no, it's a Scott St. Pierre. Edit out the mayonnaise talk. <laughs> well, Shannon, let's... Let's let's spread all that talk away and move on. <laughs> what what did you bring to the table to discuss as a formal discussion question as is want to do on the B&B? All right. I think that we should finally talk about karma. No, I'm joking. This is the Lesu season. Let's talk about where Lesu ranks in dysfunctional tribes, because I think we've got it to the point where they're kind of in the pantheon. You put Luzon, you put the second Luzon, you put, you know, from Survivor South Africa, Kasaya's in there. There's a lot of dysfunctional tribes. Where for you is Lesu ranking in that kind of massive group of crazy tribes that we talk about? Huh. Okay. So, I mean, the thing about Kasaya, just because I'd always like, I, I love Panama, one of my favorite seasons, they at least won challenges. Like, Lesu was so bad. Not only were they dysfunctional internally, but then they also could not win challenges. Mm. Although I guess there were different factions within that. Like, you could say that the Wardog Lauren Kelly group, I mean, are super tight. Um, so, you know, that's like a little bit less dysfunction. So I don't know if we can come up with like a mathematical equation to represent like challenge wins, uh, you know, personal dysfunction, um, threatening people in their shitty apartments. Like, I don't know what weights more heavily than others, um, mm-hmm. but I don't know. They I mean, they are pretty chaotic. Well, the thing was, it really did feel like this episode episode was basically water under the bridge you know uh war dog is is complimenting rick devins at the end of tribal council you know david and kelly do that really fun conversation of like mm-hmm. hey it's me by the way you're being targeted oh, oh makes sense yada 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 uh but it's I, whereas i feel like kasaya they kept personally rabbling with each other throughout the entirety of the post merge so i guess going back to your equation liana do we wait personal dysfunction more or do we wait more strategic dysfunction because i feel like you could also throw something like the villains tribe in there who was 
super dysfunctional pre-merge, but post-merge was pretty much in lockstep, except for that one time that Russell decided to get rid of Danielle and send her crying to the jury. Mm. Well, I do think that, like, so they've got the Matt Singh thing where they lost a bunch. I also think it's funny that the swap kind of kept them together so that they couldn't get away from each other. And then, yes, they're still fighting with each other, but also taking down this majority, like, foe foe style. But, like, I don't even think that they, they want to be working together most of the time, but the Survivor Guards just kind of forced them together. Plus, I think a point in their favor for dysfunction is that they can't even decide between themselves how to, you know, pronounce Lesu. So that's a pretty big thing to disagree on. And, yeah, I mean... What I really like about Lesu as a dysfunctional tribe is they voted out one of their own members who was still there, so that's a pretty big one. And they've been mm. together, this five of them that were Lesu, from the beginning, and they're all still there. So it's not like Manu, who had like Wendy and everything, that was dysfunctional in its own way, but like this Lesu five, besides voting Rick out for a week, they've always just been together. They haven't been swapped away from each other, and they've been kind of fighting the whole time, but then they also work together in ways like this that are pretty massive and, and very good moves. And the way that even like Wardog said at the end when Julia got voted out, he was like, Rick Devins, you're like, damn, this lesser group is becoming like actually iconic that they just survive almost in spite of themselves and in spite of their situation. Like I'm starting to really love it. Hmm. I love that they went to the Survivor courthouse and officially changed their name from Manu to Lesu. Yeah. I don't believe the name Manu yeah. has been said on this show in the past like three weeks or so. All it is now when they're just regarding the group is Lesu. And sometimes Lesu is just referring to that trio of Wardog, Kelly, and Lauren. Sometimes it's referring to all of them, but it's, you know, once in a lifetime swap where essentially all of Manu became an entirely different tribe. I just love that they've erased that name completely from this season. I feel like Manu died was- with Wendy. Like she was the Manu girl. She right. stayed on Manu the whole time and she is one of the only two people in the season to not be there anymore. So like Manu is with her. Right. Cause it's like what? Wendy, Keith, Reem, Chris were the other mm-hmm. Manu people. Right. And I mean, they're, they're not in the game anymore. So it kind of makes sense to just call them all less you. Um, so I guess I was just thinking like, okay, what if you have a tribe that is, you know, like lose, I guess going back to like challenge strength, you know, so for example, like Oolong or Matt saying, you know, I don't know how that plays in there, but also, yeah, Luzon was, or both of them were really bad. <laughs> I think Luzon 2.0 in the South African version, not to spoil too much, but like they were fighting the whole time, which was an, inc- an amazing dynamic. And obviously there was some bits of connection there with Tom and Palesa as well. But like less do for me, just because they work together in really, really big ways, you know, the way they came together to even win in that double tribal council, like there's more connectivity there than there really should be for mm. a group of people who have a lot of issues, even like in the groups that are working together really well. You know, David and Devons have had massive issues. Wardog, Kelly and Lauren, I mean, I don't even know how they're still aligned to him. I really feel like it's like Kelly and Lauren are like best friends. And Wardo's like, the three of us, you know? I'm not so sure. I mean, obviously they are the less two three, but I feel like he's like a massive third wheel there. And then for a while, you know, after Rick didn't vote with them, we were kind of saying like the less two four and Wardo on Twitter was like, nope, <laughs> like, please just let David be a part of it. So mean. Oh, <laughs> no, they could they could get Lesu uh, necklaces, you know, but with three pieces instead of two, like David and uh, Rick Devins. <laughs> No, you bring up a good point, Shin. And I think uh, at this point, I might give it to Lesu just because it's crazy to think about how two tribal councils ago, they were all targeting each other. And then fast forward like three days and they're all deciding to rally an alliance right there in the moment, grab two other people 
and vote out a big member of the opposition. It, it literally is night and day. And so I think especially from a post-merge perspective, uh, it, it's going to be tough to outdo what Lesu has done in the past week. Yeah, and I love how Aurora was like, oh, Kama owns that we're dysfunctional. Like, Lesu don't even... And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, we know that we're the worst. Are you joking? Like, we, we openly gun for each other. And then Julia... I think seemed like, I mean, as I said, her tribal council wasn't great, but like, I think one of the things that was really bad was that when Rick was talking about all of them getting together to vote her out, she was like, well, I thought you said you would never work together. And he's like, yeah, but now we've realized that we should, because it's a good move. And you're obviously really scared of that. So it's not a good move for you. And I think maybe she just underestimated that people I get, you know, as I said, who are really battle-hearted from playing a lot more of the game than she has in terms of, you know, voting in tribal councils, may be able to make a logical decision over a super emotional one and work together in this obviously very complex mass frenemy relationship that Lesu has. Yeah, I mean, it's basically like Kama has the casual dysfunction, like they dabble in it, whereas Lesu are like the hardcore dysfunctional people. You know, they they've gone to all the dysfunction conventions. Uh, you know, they have every word memorized of every episodic dysfunction mishap that they've underwent. Like they're they're very committed to it, whereas Kama's like, I'm going to dabble a bit in it <laughs> and see how and see how it treats me. No, no, no. They have all the merch, all the cosplay like it's a done deal. Yeah, I mean, Kama voted together for literally one tribal council. One, the entire time. They're like, we've been together for 23 days, which is kind of irrelevant, where it's like, we've been to two tribal councils together, and one of them you betrayed me. Like, that's a terrible track record. And even so, their dysfunction pales in comparison to Lesu. So, honestly, for Aurora to go and be like, you know, oh, you say you're not dysfunctional, it's just so funny to me. They're like, we openly dislike each other. At the last tribal council, we were, like, yelling and griping with each other. Um, yeah, I think they own the dysfunction, Aurora, so it's really fine. Before we move on to more fun and games, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And we are back, so let's keep on keeping on. All right, well, let's get into this insane tribal council. and. A lot went down, suffice it to say. Probably the most eventful tribal council. It's tough to say if this was one of the quote-unquote best ones. I think if you're coming from a level of chaos, it's definitely up there. It is very interesting that amidst everything that happened, it ends up being what? Just a simple uh, nine-to-one-to-one vote against Julia (laughs) at the end of the day. But to track through it all and maybe to give listeners a nice timeline of what happens, We're going to play a game that we co-opted from the great show of Big Brother. It's called Before or After. And here's how it works. I'm going to go back and forth between the two of you and ask you if a certain event happened before 
or after another event in this tribal council? Obviously, you're going to have to answer before or after. If you get it wrong, no points for you. If you get it right, you get a point. Simple as that. Shannon, I'm intrigued to know how many times did you watch this tribal council in preparation for the B&B? Um, three times, I think. But then I was like going around trying to find like little scenes because there were so many iconic lines. So all up, maybe three or four. What about you, Liana? <laughs> Damn, girl, you did more work than me. Uh, I watched I it twice. once when it aired on tv and once uh again you know for posterity all right well we shall see whose memorization and watching techniques will reign supreme here uh liana let's start with you so again it's gonna be before or after got it so let's start in the very beginning of this tribal council before the, the dam really broke loose did julie talk about the downsides of being blindsided before or after Aurora did. Oh my God. Oh my God. Mike. Mike, these are, this, I watched it four times. It's really okay. <laughs> so I, yeah, I mean, I also watched it in preparation for another thing that we will be doing later. And my God, I, uh, uh, okay. Julia talked about it first. Uh, yeah. So it's Julie oh. and Aurora. Which oh. one basically did Julie talk about it before or after <laughs> Aurora did? Julia and Aurora are the two people. Julie. Julie. No, okay, I'm that. Julie is gone because this is Ju- that, that just makes things so much easier from a name discrepancy perspective. Julie talked about it first. So, are so you saying before or after? Whatever the that and okay, well, can you say it again then? What the question yeah, is? Julie. <laughs> which, by the way, I like how we're saying her name now. We're doing the very lasso of Julie. <laughs> yeah. Did Julie? Talk about the downside of being blindsided before or after Aurora did. Okay, before. That is correct. It was before. Okay. Jesus. Okay. All right. (laughs) Come on, God. All right, Shannon, going over to you. Did Julie declare herself a free agent before or after Kelly looks over and asks Julia what? Um, (laughs) After? I'm sorry, the correct oh. answer is before. Mike, I watched this four times. <laughs> this should I, be easier. <laughs> I was like, I, yeah, so I honestly, Shannon, let me tell you something. So I watched this, uh, like I said, in preparation for this episode, and I was like, oh, because I knew we were going to play this game, and I was like, oh, I feel bad for Shannon. I, like, definitely got this. And then Mike started asking questions. I was like, nope, I don't <laughs> got this. Like, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> this, there's okay. all, nothing right. dysfun- we are mired in dysfunction here on the B&B. We revel in it. We own our dysfunction. (laughs) All right, Liana, we're going back to you here. Did Jeff call out Julia's giggling before or after he encouraged Julie that Survivor fans 38 seasons in will not drag her for being a quote unquote lunatic? So was the pep talk or was uh, Jeff calling out Julia's giggling before or after his pep talk to Julie? Okay, the giggling was after. That is correct again. Two for two. I do love that Jeff Probst is completely divorced from what is happening in Survivor social media. You know, if you're going to be like guessing if people will or won't be dragging people, like, I mean, do do fall on the side of dragging for sure. Yeah. Right. Well, it depends on the audience too, Jeff. Like, I don't know who he's, I know that he responds to Twitter stuff. So maybe Twitter, you would get less of that, but Facebook for sure, they would hate that she's crying. Yeah. Like if I, I were Jeff imagine- Probst, my pep talk would have been, look, you're an older woman. Facebook are going to be dragging you anyway. So it doesn't really matter what you do. It's about your demographic. It's not about your actions. So you can feel good about that. My pep talk would be, Julie, 
so many people are at home standing you right now. <laughs> hardcore. Do it for the stands, Julie. <laughs> Julie. But just just because you have a purple at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're an, you're an ironic queen. <laughs> That's so right. Be sure yeah. to embrace that. <laughs> All right, Shannon, going back to you. Did Julia accuse Aurora of quote unquote spilling the beans before or after War Dog stated how confused he was? Okay, war, the War Dog thing was before. <laughs> whatever that so is, did, whatever that answer is. <laughs> okay, so you say that Julia accusing Aurora was after, after War Dog yes. said how confused. Yes, that is correct. War Dog, I don't know if he was saying it in direct response to Aurora's Finding Nemo metaphor for all the creatures in the ocean. Uh, but yes, it was after that that Julia then turns to Aurora and accuses her of spilling the beans or maybe spilling the tank water. Yeah, Aurora killed an analogy more than several poop jokes did. Like, that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knew? I guess, I mean, Aurora is from Florida. They are heavily invested in their sea life. So I guess that does make sense that she naturally knows about all the oceanic life that frequent uh, the Fijian Ocean. I was so confused, though. I was definitely in War Dogs camp. I was like, I have no idea what you're saying. I don't know how this relates to anything. I'm so confused. Yeah, she's saying, like, there are other creatures in the ocean that might stop the shark or contribute at eating the minnows. Like, right. Wow. This shark is pretty, I don't know, uh, a predator for a reason. It's also like, get your own analogy, you know? Like, you're trying to just, like, kind of work with David's perfect analogy that has now had several poop jokes attached to it. Like, get your own analogy at that point. I Okay, see, I didn't even... So I rewatched it. I was like, oh, I, I thought she said something along the lines of, well, there are other things in the sea that make the minnows get into the pack. And then I was like, oh, the minnows have, like, some social dynamics that we're not aware of. Get some marine biologists up in here to, like, study this. I didn't know if there were, like, external factors. It was just all a hot mess. Bad analogy. Then, then you take into account climate change and the temperatures <laughs> of the ocean. Is that like the yes. use of idols in the game? Exactly. That big trash island that's in the middle of the ocean. How does that's that edge factor of extinction. in? Exactly. <laughs> There's a little uh, ream minnow swimming around up in there. I don't know. I'm not swimming with the school, dude. <laughs> Whatever, dude. Your plastic bottle is totally lame. If our next no, game is trying to work out anything that Aurora said, like I'm, I'm definitely failing that because I yeah still have yeah. no idea. <laughs> yeah, Aurora translation might be a game we work on in future B and B installments. If she gets enough confessionals for sure, but until then, <laughs> we shall see. So let's move on to Liana. Did Julia call Rick a passenger, which was the face crack of the Survivor season, apparently? Did Julia call Rick a passenger before or after Wardog started to propose getting rid of Aurora to Julie and Ron? Ooh. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay, I think she called him a passenger before the Wardog thing happened. That is correct. Oh my gosh, this is nerve wracking. <laughs> I love, I love how passenger really caught on. David brought up the metaphor, and everyone was like, "Ooh, that's good." And it got so over the course of literally twenty four hours, it got to the point where when Julia mentions it, it's like the biggest yo mama joke that Survivor <laughs> has ever seen. <laughs> well, we got the like not joke from Rick last week, so now Julia is like, "You're such a passenger," which, by the way, is my favorite new insult. I've decided to, if anyone ever offends me, I'm gonna be like. 
whatever, Kevin, you're such a passenger. Just to insult them, they'll be like, what a weirdo. Is that better than you're playing like a bunch of Davids in terms of like weird survivor insults? Oh, no, I think you're playing like a bunch of Davids. Is uh, That's worse. Yeah. And that's funnier, too. But the passenger yeah, thing is also funny. Because if it was survivor pilots versus passengers, that would be more scathing. But because Natalie specifically shaded the other tribe and her own tribe simultaneously, that feels much more scathing. You know who's going to be the captain on the passenger season, like in that tribe? Of course we will. I'm going to say like the, if they cast someone who's under the age of 16 <laughs> on Survivor, they'd be the ultimate passenger because they can't drive. And it'll be Laurel versus Terry Deets, who's an actual pilot. And that's <laughs> and then we'll have also, you know, we'll have yeah. T-Bird coming in to be the air hostess tribe, secret outcast <laughs> tribe. I am 100% here for this season. <laughs> Laurel's like, please just let me forget about this. this. Well, I don't know, actually, Mike White or David might be the captain because they're both used to pilots. Oh, you went a different way with that. <laughs> it's good Thank because you. it can be interpreted many but different ways. Exactly. What does a pilot mean to you? Pilots mean so many different things. I don't think uh, pilots right. versus passengers is a bad thing, honestly. Like, the more we say it, I'm like, I'm into it. <laughs> Uh, you're being such a pilot right now, Shannon. And the important thing is that when the pilots make moves and the passengers don't make moves, like either way, Survivor fandom is going to be angry, right? Because that's what we do. <laughs> well, but then we can get into, okay, a passenger can become a pilot, but a pilot, no, I can't become a passenger. I yeah. have to say, as a, pa- as a passenger on many flights, I don't want to become a pilot. I have no knowledge of becoming a pilot. I'm fine sitting in my seat and watching the PG rating of the version of Deadpool on my little screen. I do not want to become a pilot. It sounds like you're watching the Ghost Island finale, honestly. Aw. Well, let's move on here. Going back to Shannon. Did Ron try to target Victoria in front of Victoria before or after Kelly asked Gavin, Julia, and Aurora if they were going to waver from their original plan? After. Wait, sorry. The Kelly thing happened first, is what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, that is correct. Yes. yes. Ron did try to target Victoria in front of Victoria after Kelly was doing her stuff on the left side of the screen. And again, if you're talking about sad Ron Clark, sad Ron Clark had a bit of a snippy moment there where he was just completely ready to throw Victoria under the bus. She could have, she alleges that she could have very well gone home if she did not speak up in that moment. Yeah, why did he do that? That was crazy. Like, that was the kind of thing that I needed to watch it four times because it kind of missed it on the first viewing that he literally threw her name out as she was standing next to him. Like, pure, pure, pure pandemonium. Classic Ron. All right, moving on to you, Liana. Uh, These are both quotes from Joey Amazing on the bench. Did Joe ask, where's the popcorn, before or after he called it a live tribal? Oh, okay. I know someone said Joe. Come on, someone. No, I remember someone said something about popcorn, but I thought I didn't think that that was besides T Bird. Yes. (laughs) Okay, I think the popcorn thing happened first. That is incorrect. Where's the popcorn came after him declaring it a live tribal? Scandaloso. Do you love that the jury being on edge of extinction means that they talk about food now on the jury bench? They're just so hungry. It was pointed out to me on Twitter as well. They're so starved for attention, like for entertainment. Like, no wonder they're going crazy. But, like, maybe it's not that the the tribal council is so interesting. It's just that they're so bored. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's right. That's why Aubrey thought it was the best tribal council, like the most exciting that she's ever been to. <laughs> there's nothing delirious. else going on. Yeah. yeah, it's a great slowdown. So, you know, a tribal council is going to be the most exciting. Well, so to be to be fair, I'm not going to reprimand Aubrey. I know people are saying like, oh, she's being camera horry or she's being muggy. But as someone who has been depicted making such big reactions in response to tribal councils, I really cannot throw a stone through my glass house right now. Oh, yeah. my God. I'd love to see what you would do out there. You'd be like clapping and standing up. I'd be doing a jig ovation. around the jury bench. Yes. <laughs> Look, I have a gripe with Aubrey, though. I have to say she tweeted saying that as someone who was there firsthand for the you know advantage yet in Missouri and for the Malcolm double tribal that this tribal council before it happened, that before we saw it, what, you know, had its own WTF moment. And like to have to be, you know, let's think about the international viewers here to have to see that tweet go to sleep, go to an entire day of work. And then I had to go to a football game. I had basically like 24 hours with this like extreme bone chilling fear in me. Like you can't be putting that out into the universe. I was actually terrified. Aw, that was your like seance for for David, right? It was like, please let him survive. I feel like you just have kept the candles perpetually lit, Shannon, for David Wright since the season started. Well, I'm the David Wright expert and I love him and I keep putting out, you know, summoning circles for him on Twitter, which have not failed to date. And I guess there's no way to know if it's, you know, David playing a really good game or my summoning circles that are keeping him alive. But I mean, I have to lean towards me. But for her to reference Sari and Malcolm, like, I'm still so traumatized from those two things. I'm not at all like Mike, who is completely insensitive and just laughs at it. And I'm still, I think I'm still angry about that. I'm still holding on to some feelings of resentment towards Mike for that now that I'm saying it out loud. But for me... But the the good thing is that you only think you're holding resentment towards me. No, I I am. I am, Mike. But I'm, I'm traumatized from those two things. I'm angry at Mike about them. It's Mike's fault. And for her to reference that before I can watch the episode, like, come on, Aubrey. I'm scared, okay? I like the part where you said it was Mike's fault. Yeah, it's just uh, like how actually, David being in his, his mind doing. <laughs> this was all Mike's fault. Fun fact, uh, I believe Aubrey's cousin was actually at the know-it-alls where that all happened. And I <laughs> met Aubrey's cousin. And I believe the first thing Rob said was he was pointing and laughing at Malcolm <laughs> when he went home. Nailed it. I like that Aubrey's also mad at you about it, probably. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Listen, I'm just building a, a slow little uh, b- bad black book of survivors that have I have uh, gone on the bad side of. So it'll <laughs> two down, three down, 497 to go or so. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> All right, let's go back to you, Liana. Did Aurora lament how she, quote, can't deal with soccer moms before or after Julie declared she's ready to jump ship? Wait, isn't it my turn? <laughs> No, you just, uh, oh, <laughs> she wait, you're right, it's Shannon. It's yeah, Shannon. I'm taking my points. You can't give Liana my points. Aww. But also, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I was All thinking so much about how it's my turn. You were, that the question wasn't being asked or two. That's just <laughs> in one ear and out the other. Uh, did Aurora lament how she, quote, can't deal with soccer moms before or after Julie declared she's ready to jump ship, complete with sitting on Santa Wright's lap? Oh, that's really hard. So soccer moms versus the, the whole flipping thing. Um, I think Julie jumped ship first. So I think the Aurora thing happened after. That is incorrect. Wait, no, it was Aurora's- Liana's question though, right? So Liana got it incorrect. 
Okay, by the way, that's a little Kalish e here because according to my notes, I have Julie says, I'm out, I'm out. I've seen the looks. Then Aurora says the thing about soccer moms. Then Julie runs over to the group to sit on David Wright's lap. So it's kind of like in between. I'm I was sorry, throwing you under the bus, Liana. Thank you for helping I me. Said compl- <laughs> did, I declared specifically that she said she was ready to jump ship, which I don't believe she said uh, until I thought after it was- the Aurora happened. The intention I was there. Okay, laps were mentioned, though. Was it the lap thing? I don't know. Whatever. I'm right. Give me the point, Mike. No. I don't know. Wait, why am I helping you? You are totally right, Mike. Oh, my gosh. Great. Like, go. Uh, you know everything. Liana, you and I are really like the Lesu tribe. One minute you, you know? say, I love that Mike is wrong. The next you're like, oh, please don't give her the point. Let's work together here. My anger at Mike right. only grows, honestly. As long as I can be the war dog who also refers to himself in the third person, then I think I'm definitely down with this analogy. But he does a thing where he, in one sentence, he referred to himself in both the third person and the first person. So I guess, exactly. does, it like, does it average out to a second person thing where he just keeps calling himself you? Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know the math of grammar, how that works out, but... Uh... <laughs> All right, Liana, let's go back to you here. I'm pretty sure it's your question now. Uh, so, right before the vote happens, did Ron pull Gavin aside as the last conversation away from the tribal council seats? Before or after Julia told Wardog to shut up. I have no idea. Um, I think that Ron pulled Gavin over before the shut up Wardog. That, that is incorrect. It happened oh. right after it. Wasn't that Shannon's question? <laughs> <laughs> now you're just getting me all confused, trying to bunko me, and you can't. Bullshit <laughs> Darn. All right, Shannon, it's three to two right now. This is a live game for this live tribal. You still have a chance to tie it up. Okay. After the votes came in, did Kelly tell David, we'll talk, we'll all talk, before or after War Dog smiled, looked over at Rick, and muttered, Rick Devins? The Kelly and David thing happened first. That is correct. I'm glad that you know through the confusion of what happened first Julie or Julia and whose question it is we've gotten to a point where we're now tied so (laughs) really made a lot of progress (laughs) yes absolutely uh okay so I'll I'll do a tiebreaker here let's see (laughs) I'll give you both uh we'll go back and forth here (laughs) I'm I'm gonna this give is like Mike coming up with a tiebreaker on the fly. He's like, ah, no, okay. uh, no, don't know what you're talking about. This is pre-planned. Yeah, we had a plan sure. when we walked in here. Nothing's changing. I'm in the pilot seat. Yeah, so. everything's the same. There's multiple plans. I, this is just one of the uh, plans. <laughs> so I'm going to give uh, I'm going to give a quote from the voting booth. You're going to go back and forth to to guess one person at a time as to who said it. So the first person to guess who said it wins. Do we okay. have a buzzer or like, wait, so are we we'll, calling we'll, in? So we'll, start, so we'll start with Leon okay. and then we'll go to Shannon, back and forth, back and forth, etc. Just keep guessing until someone gets it right. Okay. It's very simple. I, I don't have to yell my own name. I mean, you can if you want to. Um, uh, it's a free country, but you don't, it's not mandatory. <laughs> oh, okay. Good to know. So you're going to identify the quote behind the person who went into the voting booth, let out a sigh, and just said, Lord. Oh, Liana, uh, Liana, Liana, Liana. <laughs> uh, Ron Clark. That is correct. Boom. Buzzer beater. I also would have totally known that. So 
We both would have had that. Yes. Continue, my. Yes. So congratulations, Liana. I mean, you both proved that I think, you know. Wait, did I just no lose? How- yes. What? I didn't even get a chance. Nailed it. This exact thing happened to me on a cruise. Don't forget the lyric competition. And I'm not over it because the other girl got to sing first. And I truly should get a question. Wait, can we go back to that? What was the circumstances of this contest? The circumstances were that we had a really bad game master, much like you, Mike, who was a tiebreaker, and she sang first and she got it right, but I didn't even get a chance to prove myself. And I would have got that Wait, one so, class thing as well. Why did Liana got to go so first she just, if she won? So she just sang the song, and then because she got the lyrics, she already automatically won? Well, it, yeah, there'd been a full competition up until that point. But first prize was a water bottle, and second prize was a cap, which actually was better. So, I don't know. I'm very competitive on cruises. To, I thought you meant the cap to the water bottle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can you imagine we had to put it together like Rick and David? No, um, it was just like an actual, like, hat. But anyway, this is just giving me really sad flashbacks to that, and I completely contest this decision. But you can move on if you want. <laughs> well, Liana, congratulations. I think we've all proven <laughs> no. how many times that we've seen this tribal council, the memories will stick in our minds forever, including the sequence of events. Oh my gosh, it's a disaster. It's a complete disaster. Speaking of disasters, (laughs) let's talk about our Ron Clark rule. Uh, So we are putting together an addendum on the Ron Clark Essential 55 rules, which, by the way, I finally decided to Google it this week because I was like, huh, maybe I should know what I'm talking about. Mm. It's a book that is titled The Essential 55, an award winning educator's rules for discovering the successful student in every child, which, by the way, a little self-serving to say an award winning educators rules like okay ron <laughs> anyway do you, so, think, has, do you think if like maybe if sad ron had wrote it it would be like a book just written by a man if you want to read it that'd be great just he, like he, put it on your bookshelf you don't even need to you can like put it in the bathroom if you need to just please he, buy it he, like tried to educate but now he's just there um yes uh i could see it anyway so he has 55 rules for uh educating this successful student so we are going to make our addendum of rules to educate the successful survivor player nailed it okay so (laughs) the rules that we have so far are ream daily speak softly and carry a big snake don't be stupid stupid watch your back always go through someone's bag 20 minutes ago have joey amazing on your tribe All's fair and love and war dog. Dress for the blind side you want and don't be a puppet master. Mm. So we have to come up with our rule for this episode. So I was like, in all the chaos, really drawn a blank. I have a couple ideas, but I really want to hear what you guys have to say. So the first one is just uh, don't insult people at tribal. No, <laughs> no, that could like be a rule. Um, the other one that I had was keep comma and carry on because I'm still like mm-hmm. holding on to this whole comma thing. But uh, I don't know, Mike, if you have any ideas for the rule that we could have this week. Uh, how about if you have to jump ship, make sure you bring water shoes <laughs> water or shoes. like floaties. Yeah, exactly. Like if you like if you're going to jump ship, you're going to end up a floater. Oh, wow. That's like the really good. No, no, we no. You're going to end up a floater. No, that's like you could be like the the Rick poop. I think the bring floaties. <laughs> what do you think, Shannon? Do you have any ideas? Well, mine was kind of just going through that through line of Ron Clark getting mugged, which I was obsessed with. And then I kind of made it into a poem. So my rule is Ron Clark's rule on what to do if you get mugged. <clears throat> this is it. Okay. Give them your wallet, give them your phone, 
do whatever they want. Please don't send me home. Oh my god, that's so good. It's like the most depressing Dr. Seuss book ever. (laughs) Yeah, it's sad Ron Clark. The saddest educator in town. Give them your wallet. Give them your phone. What was the last bit? Do whatever they want. Please don't send me home. And can you just imagine Ron Clark giving lessons and how not to get mugged? But like sad Ron Clark doing it? (laughs) I want to see that movie. This is the most amazing thing I've ever heard. I feel like it's a little too long. (laughs) Liana. It's a poem. Okay, in the addendum. How about, how about, the addendum. Give, give me your wallet. Give me my home or something like that. Give me my <laughs> what? Give them like, your wallet. Don't send me home. Just make it give them your wallet. Did it. <laughs> Great rule for, for Ron Clark. Please give your wallet away. If you get mugged. Right, which this is definitely the essential uh, Ron Clark rules on not getting mugged. Yeah, but no, it's just the essential Ron Clark rules on how to be like a good survivor or like a good student. Sure, but like within that, anyone can get mugged. So this is just the one rule specifically about muggings. I think it makes sense. Give them your wallet. Okay, so the rule is give them your wallet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can, we, can we combine the two? Can we be like, if you're going to jump ship, give, give them your wallet? Yes. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I like that one. Okay. Uh, is it if you have to jump ship or if you're okay, if you're going to jump ship, give them your wallet. If pirates invade your ship, give them your wallet. It's not getting long again. I really feel like just just give them your wallet. Just just give them the wallet. Uh, okay, give them your wallet if you're going to jump ship. I feel like give them your wallet just by itself. We're going to look back and be like, what the hell are we talking about? Um, Someone listen to this podcast, God forbid. Give the cap that you won second place for not being able to get a chance to address the tiebreaker and the don't forget the lyrics competition. Please don't remind me right. about that, Mike. I'm still so angry at you about so many things that I'm holding on to. Like, I do think that if someone listening to this podcast, God forbid, is in a dicey situation... Give them your wallet might be the most important rule we put on this list. Can save lives. It's an important rule. All right, Shannon, I'm overruling you. I'm going to keep the give them your wallet part, but I think we have to say if you're going to jump ship, give them your wallet. That makes absolutely no sense. And that is perfect for the B&B. <laughs> so, yeah, it makes sense the other way. Totally. Exactly. I mean, nothing on this ever makes sense. But, you know, like we're trying. At I least love a the little tagline bit. of the B&B. B and B, nothing on this ever makes sense. That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Speaking about things that don't make sense, so uh, let's get into our next activity. So what I have done is I have put together a Mad Lib of this tribal council. So I was inspired by Eric's quote from The Edge of Extinction, where he said. There's a story here to tell my kids about not giving up. So I want to tell the story of this tribal council in the far future, what happened. So we are going to put all of this together and it is one story. It is very long. So you're going to have to like deal with it while we get all of these things (laughs) together. But I promise that it will pay off in the end. So before we get to that, just because you mentioned Eric and Shannon, I feel like as probably the biggest Disney expert I know, I would love to get your opinions mm-hmm. on what we talked about last week. Is Disney Eyes a thing? Okay, Mike, firstly, thank you for the compliment, but you're still in my bad books. And Disney Eyes, I think definitely yes, but I hadn't really thought of Eric as having Disney Eyes. But now that I'm looking Disney. at it, like, to me, Disney Eyes are just blue eyes. You know, maybe that's a bit simple. But, you know, I think blue eyes or 
big brown eyes. I'm not sure about this whole iris thing. I feel like this is more a biology question than a Disney question. Ooh. Uh, an sure. animated biology. I know, like, oh, <laughs> uh, that's not a thing. Did that's you do animated biology or PhD? That was actually, yeah, my PhD was on uh, Disney animation and biology. <laughs> yes, your your thesis <laughs> was on diagram. Goofy's Anatomy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is which is my new favorite Disney Plus show is Goofy's Anatomy, the Grey's Anatomy spinoff. Okay, so Mad Libs. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's get into this. So, Shannon, I'll start with you. So, I need an Edge of Extinction contestant that was present at the Tribal Council. Um, I'm trying, I just want to give a lot of AKA love to Kama. <laughs> Literally anybody <laughs> but two McKeith people in the cast. I will go with David Wright, obviously. Okay, Mike, I need a relative. So, sister, brother, aunt, second cousin. Uh, mailman. That's. <laughs> Okay, sure. <laughs> I don't know why that was my first <laughs> Did you have a very close relationship with your mailman? This is like the milkman equivalent of uh, the, our time. Um, okay, Shannon, I need a plural noun. Okay, any plural noun? Yeah, any plural noun. Fishes. Does that work? <laughs> yes, perfect. Uh, Mike, I need an emotion. God, mailman is not a <laughs> mailman. This um, let's let's say bitter. Uh, Shannon, I need a pet peeve. Um, people making big moves for the sake of it. <laughs> Perfect. Wow. I'm very on brand, just as well as your Ron Clark rule. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, this is gonna be interesting. Uh, okay, Mike, uh, I need an animal. Ooh, barracuda. Oh. Uh, I need another animal. Cat. Okay. Uh, Mike, I need an activity. Paintball. Okay. These madams are getting very diverse. <laughs> uh, Shannon, I need an emotion. Um, angry. No, I wanted to take bitter. I can only think of one emotion now that you've said bitter. <laughs> the only one I have inside, bitter. Uh, okay, Mike, I need a noun. Uh, the mouth. <laughs> uh, Shannon, a verb ending in ing. Um, playing. Okay, uh, Mike, a noun. Bottle. Wow, if someone like just tuned in for this part of the podcast, they'd be like, wow, this is like the name parts of speech podcast. <laughs> um, okay, Shannon, uh, another verb ending in ing. Reaming. Mm. Perfect. Uh, okay, Mike, a uh, verb ending in ing. Uh, let's say fornicating. Mike, why are you this person? <laughs> <laughs> you went with mouth uh, and then fornicating, and I'm like, playing. <laughs> Yeah. Listen, I got far away enough from mailman that hopefully nothing lurid's going on. <laughs> what is your relationship with your mailman? I'm so scared. Yeah. See? Uh, okay. Uh, I need, Shannon, another verb uh, ending in ing. Okay, now I hear anything before. Okay, this is unfair. I'm going to be super <laughs> Disney about it and say charming. Uh, uh, all right. Mike, uh, past tense verb. Uh, let's say hit. Uh, okay, Shannon, let's see if you can handle this. A body part. 
Disney eyes. Perfect. Uh, Mike, adjective. Cuddly. The story that you're weaving in your mind with the mailman continues to be very interesting to me. (laughs) Yes, the Mike and the mailman fan fiction writes itself. (laughs) Yeah, this is like the Rorschach test (laughs) for Mike. (laughs) Um, okay, Shannon, a survivor advantage. Nullifier. I don't nullifier. I don't nullifier. Uh, all right, Mike, I need a number. Let's go with 73. Okay. Another number, Shannon. I feel like I'll just do the B&B staple that Mike didn't do, 69. Nice. Uh, and one more number, Mike. Two. Okay. Um, Shannon, I need a verb that ends in ed. Loved. Uh, Mike, a former Survivor player. Rudy Bosch. And finally, Shannon, a noun. Um, horse. Is that a noun? Yes. yes. This makes me think about like, do I know what words are? Anyway, you okay? You you should see my search history. It's like uh, part of speech vote, <laughs> part of speech like uh, tackle. So it's it's very embarrassing. I have to stop myself from like grabbing my phone right now and just like googling what an adjective was. So just like <laughs> don't mind me. A noun is a person, place, or a thing. Okay. And a horse. So, and a horse. Exactly. Perfect example. Okay. Let me tell the story. <clears throat> okay. So, this is the story that David Wright told his great, great, great mailman <laughs> about the epic tribal council from episode nine of Edge of Extinction. Wait, I love this because you, we turned a family thing into just the way David Wright would describe his mailman. <laughs> I said relative, Mike, and you said mailman. So he's a great, 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 great mailman. He really is. <laughs> just such a great mailman. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I remember the night well. It all started when Julie talked about being on the wrong side of the fishes. Aurora got bitter and said, well, there's many worse things going on in the world, like people making big moves for the sake of it. Yes. Oh, my God. Aurora, speak truth. Aurora is uh, not being subtle with that. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Then... David Wright said, I, uh, I said something that I will never forget. I said, I saw a school of barracudas that were eaten by a cat and I was paintballing at the time. <laughs> wow, David is doing very exotic paintball. Like Rick that. said, I might be the paintball. <laughs> this comment set Julie into a fit of anger. I feel like a mouth as she started playing Uh, aurora started babbling rick or julie told rick you're such a bottle then everything went crazy everyone started reaming ron was fornicating and kelly was charming (laughs) out of nowhere that's a bad sequence of events (laughs) I i don't exactly know what happened there out of nowhere julie 
hit over and sat on David's Disney eyes. My Disney <laughs> eyes. <laughs> no, that's even worse than Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cuddly tribal, Jeff, Rick said. It's the cuddliest. This is the cuddliest as it ever gets, David. I added. David's really Fine. taking a picture of the War Dogs book. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's really, he's just talking about himself in third person. Finally, we went to vote. And after all the chaos, Rick played the idol nullifier on David. Jeff oh, Pro- <laughs> this is what he remembers, okay? Telling his great, great, great mailman. Uh, Jeff Probst revealed the votes. Two votes for Kelly. 69 votes for David and 73 votes for Julia. Oh, good. Yeah. They all loved on her, said Rudy Bosch from the jury. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was the returning player that season, y'all remember. <laughs> take horse of yourselves and take horse of each other, Julia <laughs> said after getting her torch snuffed. The can we add, end. Yeah, that is a addendum to a, like a, an invisible Ron Clark rule: take horse of each other, <laughs> take horse of yourselves, and take horse of each other. I feel extremely <laughs> bad for David Wright's poor mailman who's just trying to do his job and deliver some mail and had to be subjected to that story. Like, yeah, sir, sir um, you're talking about. I have other routes to get to. You're yeah. talking about someone sat on your eyes. <laughs> So so originally I had this mental image of like, oh, David Wright telling the story to like, oh, maybe Michael say like second cousin once removed. How funny. And it's like the kid in bed, like, uh, you know, the princess bride. But now in my head, I have David Wright chasing down his mailman <laughs> down the street. Old David Wright is like bathrobe and cane just being like, let me tell you a story. This is a story of how David Wright doesn't get his mail delivered anymore. <laughs> So this is a story within a story of David Wright explaining why he gets no mail. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And he's explaining that's like an ATM or something. (laughs) Right. Poor David Wright, you've made him like completely senile. Um, When really it was our words. So we're senile. So come on, you know, it's not David's fault. I mean, when when your closest ally plays the idle nullifier on you, that's not very well for your social game. Classic like Rick and David, though, right? (laughs) <laughs> that's true I didn't even think about what does that even mean like he played the idol nullifier so if David played an idol on himself it wouldn't count <laughs> yikes that's okay he was very cuddly so it's fine it was, it was the cuddliest travel council exactly oh boy well I really horsed that game and I horse you <laughs> Liana for, be, for, for taking care of that game <laughs> I'll tell my mailman about it tomorrow <laughs> So for my question this week, I actually have a little bit of a mini game to impart on the two of you. And hopefully I will not biff it like I did last time here. So (laughs) I don't know if y'all know this, but we have a new engaged couple amongst the survivors. Joe Anglum and Sierra Dawn Thomas are tied the knot, much like Joe likes to untie a lot of knots in challenges. The Survivor Facebook page went gaga. So we're going to do like a a, we're going to dip our toes in the water of casuals corner. We're not on the less spectrum of casuals corner. We're more in the comma thing of like, oh, we're going to try it out and see what happens. Uh, So basically what's going to happen here is uh, we're going to do I'm going to read two comments from the Survivor Facebook page. You're each going to privately write down which one you think got more reactions. Now we're talking about reactions overall. So that could be the thumbs up, the heart. The laughing guy, Mr. Sadness, uh, the prizing Sally, and the rest. 
So you have to write down, we'll use the honor system here, and we'll see after a few questions who gets it right. First, I want to ask you, Shannon, what is your reaction to the big news? My reaction was, wow, I'm really following Joe Anglum and Sierra Don Thomas on Instagram. I need to like really take you know stock of who I'm following on here. But no, I'm very, very happy for them. I do think it's amazing that everyone's so impressed with Joe that he didn't wait for the reunion. And it's like, is that something we should be impressed with or something that's just kind of like a neutral thing? That he didn't wait to you know to propose at um at the reunion, which is not a great proposal, especially if he doesn't win. Um, but no, super happy for them. I was one hundred percent upset that he did not propose at the finale because I feel like uh you know the Survivor fan that loves complaining, I would love to complain about the fact that there was a proposal at the finale. Like, come on, uh, but no, very like. Congratulations to the two of them. Very exciting. Um, also, in terms of like writing my score down, I pulled out my notepad. The only ha- thing I have written down on this piece of paper is commonness. So I don't know if that somehow relates to Joe and Sierra's uh, engagement, but uh, that's a thing that has Maybe happened. That's our, that'll be their wedding hashtag. Hashtag commonness. I was Even though thinking, Sierra is not involved in this season. <laughs> oh, I was just Fine. thinking that, you know, like if when David Wright wins the season, I really just wouldn't want their proposal to take away from that. So that was kind of what mm. I was thinking. I think we should have to come up with a wedding hashtag for them because this is a big thing. Mm. That now that I've got engaged, I get ads all the time for websites that you have to pay them to come up with a wedding hashtag for you. And like, that's crazy to me, especially because so many of them are terrible. So I feel like we should just do that service for them for free. Wait, okay. so did, wait, Mike, did you did you have a wedding hashtag or Shannon, are you going to have a wedding hashtag? I did have one. I was very lucky. Mine was love in bloom. Oh, that's yeah. pretty easy. It was I was able to benefit from name. that. Did you pay for that? Uh, did you pay to get no. that written? OK, good, <laughs> good. Because the, the cost like 30 bucks. Um, mine is becoming Gus because that's going to be my last name. But it's like the, there's one G, two S's. So it's like becoming us, becoming Gus. It makes more sense when you write okay. it down. Yeah. Did you yeah. pay $30 for that? No, my cousin is a copywriter. So she just gave it to me as my engagement present. And then she had it like made onto a block of wood. So <laughs> as my engagement present. <laughs> is that like the patent of uh, wedding hashtags? Like, oh, I'm sorry. I have this carved into a block of wood. So yes. like it's legally mine now. I think it's like was- an idol. It's like it's your possession right now. Yeah. I think that my cousin like really wanted to make sure I would go with her hashtag because, you know, everyone was suggesting hashtags. So she was like, it is in wood mm. now. So you have to use it. And I will. So it worked. <laughs> That's smart. <laughs> Is that like the Australian version of it being stone? It's in wood, so therefore it's just as permanent? We don't have stone here, actually. So, yes. (laughs) What? No, I'm joking. You guys, come on. Oh. Come on. I would believe it. I I guess if we're... we're, Mars Mars has has, has plenty of stone. Okay, fine, but we're not on a different planet. It's just Australia. (laughs) I will say, if we're coming up with wedding hashtags off the top of our noggins here, uh, what about, like, Ropa Joe? Nope. Nope. Terrible. That's so bad. No. Nope. How would you? How, no. No. Well, you come up with a better one. Let's okay. Something with Dawn, right? Like Dawn is pretty. So like, is like, she going to, I don't know if she's going to take his last name, uh, but it could be like the, you know, the Dawn of Anglum. Nope. Nope. Yeah. It's really hard on the spot. Can I call my cousin? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. The BFB will subsidize $30. To get a hashtag. No, because they're also bad. Wood and send it to Utah, postage free. We know a mailman that can get it to them. <laughs> what right. about something with Anglum, like Anglum for love? No, Thanks. bad as well. Very hard to do oh, on the that's spot. So cute, Anglum for love. Aww. How about like worlds apart together? 
But then oh, we have to remember okay. Worlds Apart as a season, which I don't want to. Sierra Don Thomas takes care of horses. Take horse of yourself and take horse of each other. Now I know that's very long, Brad. Hashtag just take sure. horse of yourself and give them your wallet. Did it. There we go. There we go. Hashtag <laughs> take horse of yourself and give them your wallet. I think we found a winner, folks. They, they Put it on the block of wood. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, we're so good. All right. So let, let's get into this here. So again, uh, you're both going to answer each question. I'm going to read two state two comments. You have to write down which one you think has more likes, and we'll see how you do at the end of this. First one, A, Survivor Dream Wedding, dot, 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 ordained Minister Jeff, dot, 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 says, come in, guys, dot, dot, dot. You draw rocks to see if you sit on the bride or groom side, dot, dot, dot. Unity candles lit by torches, dot, dot, dot. Instead of pronouncing them husband and wife, dot, 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 say, the tribe has spoken, dot 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 and honeymoon suite dot 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 drop your buffs oh my god so that's a <laughs> so one i know you that like you pulled that from casual's corner because it's terrible like as someone who was used to reading them oh my god okay all right so, I feel like and these, these are all comments as well i did not have enough ingenuity considering uh what you just heard from ropa joe i didn't have much creativity left to come up with these right uh, i'm so just that, saying like i believe that that's a real i mean i know that it's not like real versus fake but like that's real so yeah. that's a b no one talked to me for the rest of the day okay see i feel like so the first one was describing like a survivor themed wedding and i feel kind of sad because i know that they're not going to have anything, anything really Survivor themed probably in their wedding, but like me and I've never been on Survivor. My proposal was Survivor themed. So like, what does it say about me that my nuptials are more Survivor-esque than probably what Joe and Sierra's will be? It's cute. Is it cute? I think it's very yeah. sweet. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you go, girl. Get All Gus. Right. So you get long survivor dream wedding versus no one talked to me for the rest of the day liana which one do you think has more reactions i said b what'd you say shannon i said a the correct answer is b Ugh. a got 120 reactions b got 491 reactions wow. a got way more reactions than i thought it would because Long comments don't get a lot of likes because apparently reading is very difficult, mm. especially with all the ellipses. I've but, heard it's uh, fundamental. Uh, I'd say what? Fundamental. Um, but yeah, that, that, that interesting. Liana is a casual expert. Like this also feels like an unfair fight. But no, that was my bad. It, it should have been B. That was just a really bad answer. Continue. She actually said B. I'm pretty sure. Mm, thanks, Liana. Thank you so much. All right, let's move on to question two here. These are both disparaging comments against Joe. So not all the casuals are on Joe's side here, despite the good news. A, awesome. Now, Joe, lose that awful stash. B, so many seasons. I can't remember when they were on together. I've liked seeing him on this current season, though. He's a good player, but he's still no Malcolm or Ozzy. You know, it's so funny to hear the casuals comments without like me pulling them because it's so stereotypical. <laughs> like, I think sometimes like, oh, maybe I just pick the ones. No, 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 no. This is what they're <laughs> like. Um, OK. All right. I think I have my answer. OK, I Shannon. said I said a 
Because Liana said to do the shorter ones, right? So, so I, I said it as well. A is correct. Uh, B got 139 reactions. A got 215. 215 people believe Joe should get rid of that stash. It's more than 215. I guess we shall see if, if he... Uh, we'll see if he goes clean, goes clean shaven down the aisle. That's a lot of likes. How many? Do you know, Mike? Do you know how many people like the original post, the like Sierra and uh, Joe post? Let me check. I know uh, I do have a, a tiebreaker about how many comments it got, but let's see. I believe it's around around like a thousand, fifteen hundred likes, maybe. Oh, wow. uh, Twenty. Nope, I was way yeah. underestimating twenty three thousand likes. Oh my god! Whoa. Okay, so to put things in context, that's a lot. That's like ten times more than sort of the normal posts that we get. Like when I go through the casuals comments, so like this is crazy. Yeah, especially because none of those casuals know who Sierra Dawn Thomas is. Like, that's 23,000 likes for Joe and Joe alone. Right. They're like, oh, wait, she was on Survivor? Joe Anglin is engaged to a human being, and that's it. That's all we need. Speaking of that, let's move on to the Sierra shading side (laughs) of things. Hey, I don't know. I just don't see it. She seems a bit high maintenance for Joe, and high maintenance is capitalized. B. I remember her dot 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 not a fan but I'm happy for you dot 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 Joe smiley emoji which one was more what (laughs) (laughs) she's like literally counting characters um okay all right I have mine all right Liana what'd you say okay I said a Shannon also a because it was shorter A is correct. Uh, B, the I remember her not a fan got 30 reactions. A, I don't know. I just don't see it. She seems a bit high maintenance for Joe. Got 59 reactions. See, the I remember her boy. (laughs) Well, congratulations, Liana. You you really are in the casuals brains right now. You were three for three in this game. Yeah, that is terrifying. I think I need to go wash my brain. I thought I had seen some comments that were like just in the patron group talking that the casuals had said that it was a spoiler because we haven't even seen them interact on the season. I think they might think that Sierra is Kelly Wentworth, which is kind of concerning to me because Kelly Wentworth is pretty much the protagonist of the season. Like you should know that she doesn't, she doesn't look like that just because they're both blonde. Oh, I mean, I have a hundred percent seen comments that are like, Oh, like did they fly them home during like when they're not on the Island? Like it's only a week between episodes. It's crazy. They would fly them home. So, you know, (laughs) <laughs> just as a, like a reference of where we might be in terms of the casuals like perspective but yeah, I guess not all casuals are the same we love bad. them all yeah. and, I, and I thought it would be proper to check in with the casual considering that this is a big piece of miscellaneous survivor news so it's always good to get the reaction I know uh, Rob and T-Bird both sort of talked about their mother celebration and it does seem like there's celebration across the board save you know the uh, combined what doing some quick math here like like basically 450 people that either made fun of or reactions that made fun of either Joe or Sierra for this very good news. No, I mean, good, good for them. Like as a bitter cat lady who apparently is the least happy, according to that one study. And did you guys hear about that? No, I hear about that what? on news AF. Maybe it was like dog owners are the most happy and like cat owners are the least happy. So that's the least. Happy my cat has an Instagram and it's the light of my life. Stop that. Oh, that makes me so happy. I can also say as someone who has suffered from anxiety and depression for nearly 30 years of my life, I'm a dog owner. So I feel like <laughs> we, we might all be the exceptions <laughs> to the rule here. 
<laughs> that's true. That's true. But anyway, so happy for them. Good what for them. You, what if you own a horse? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, horse, um, barracuda. I don't know, like how those animals. If you play. own a mailman, if you own a mailman, yeah, school of barracudas that were eaten by a cat. I don't know how that. You know, what if you're paintballing? I don't know. If they use well, take horse of each other, I'm gonna build them, and we'll split it oh. ten, ten, ten. That's like fifteen dollars for me when you convert it to Australian money. So yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> exactly. Listen, we're 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 happy with any sort of a fee we get here on the B and B. Let's move on. <laughs> to our final segment of each and every week here, the question of the week. Last week's question of the week in honor of David's greatest relative, the mailman, uh, create an address for a survivor location, person, or moment. So we're sending the mailman on a harrowing journey here through many survivor residences. Why are you obsessed with your mailman? (laughs) Yeah, who's going to say this question now in terms of the mailman? Like, It takes on a whole new meaning. (laughs) So we'll read all of your responses out there and then we'll read our own. First from Anthony S. Room 609 Slam Tower Slam Town. I love that like people remember Slamtown. We need to bring that back. I don't know how, but somehow. I love that Slam Tower because it makes me feel like Nakatomi Plaza. Like this could be like the setting of some mm. sort of survivor diehard thing. Mm. I love it. All right. Next up, John Tinkham, Nine Passenger Circle, Carter's Cliff, Fiji, 69696. Ugh, I love this incorporation of the whole passenger pilot thing. Like definitely love it. And I love that it's a circle as well. It's like you don't even get a street. You have to move around in one yeah. shape and not even have an end to your road. Poor Laurel. <laughs> Who lives it. there, I assume. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. That's where Laurel lives. Aw. Uh, Parker Schimler says, 69 Bayonetta Drive, Apartment 6. This is the address of Courtney's shitty apartment from Exile Island. How many of these are 69? Like, what percentage uh, of these? The vast majority. Ghana, <laughs> this is all on you. You're welcome. <laughs> As, like, a 28-year-old adult woman, nailed it. Like, so good. <laughs> Love that I'm here. Uh, so hopefully we did not, you know, dox Cor- uh, Courtney Merritt by having Shane now get her apartment number and finally <laughs> exact his revenge after, what, uh, 16 years after the fact? Well, it's very fitting, giving our conversation about the Kasaya tribe, you know, also being dysfunctional, you know, like kind of fits in. Shane has just been listening to every Survivor podcast since then, just trying to find that address. He got to the very, very end of this B&B episode and was like, finally. Yeah, this is what did it. (laughs) And the cat has caught the barracuda. (laughs) All right, let's move on to Dan Sinensky. One Upo loop. It's Coach's house on a cul-de-sac that only the Upolu 5 can live on. Sophie lives at 2 Upo Loop, but it's much nicer. Edna and Cochran sleep in Coach's guest room and on his couch, respectively. <laughs> I can see it. I like that. I, yeah, I do love that uh, that Coach down just sort of like has people over and just Cochran is perennially living on his couch, despite well, like, the fact that he's a survivor winner. I have this mental image of then what their cul-de-sac barbecues look like, where they're all like coming out, bringing their own dishes. <laughs> and it's like, oh, we're all a loving family. Let's pray. And then, you know, there's always that little bit of tension. I feel like people are refusing to go to barbecues with Brandon Hans nowadays. Yeah, I don't say it also probably with Albert, too. Albert feels like that neighbor who's just like, like 
takes your ear and is just way too chatty every time you see them so much so that you like actively avoid them when they're trying to leave the house the same time as you. <laughs> right. It's like you time it. You're like, Ooh, let me just pause inside for a brief sec. <laughs> let them leave. All right. Adam Goldman says the post office at 18 Heroes Lane where JT sends his love letters with idols to 69. This game is flawed drive. These <laughs> idols can be used anywhere, including Australia, unless that person decides not to play it and gets voted out immediately. Uh, we have so- idols, but not stone here in Australia. And I also really enjoy that. Firstly, Russell Hans wasn't in Australia. I mean, like they weren't filming in Australia, but also in, in trying to come up with my own, it was really hard to come up with the numbers. Like street names are good. Numbers are hard. And so everyone just filled in 69 right there. Like such classic B and B, honestly. So the, uh, well, so the, uh, uh, the reunion at champions versus contenders where it was just Russell Hans's hat like that every once in a while just pops into my head. And I'm so happy whenever I think about that. So for some reason, this brought up those like similar thoughts. Uh, so I, I was very pleased with this answer. Yeah, that hat on the stool is very much like if Russell got snapped by uh, Thanos, you know, <laughs> so good. Oh, my it. thought was if like he had gotten turned into a hat. <laughs> by some sort of witch that he crossed. Like this is his being his beauty and the beast like transformation. Yes. His Disney eyes got him turned into a hat. <laughs> Put me on your head. <laughs> oh my god. Can you imagine? What a terrible Disney movie that would be. Like little Russell Hans like shuffling around as a hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would love it. I would love him to sing Beauty and the Beast beast as a, a hat <laughs> fedora <laughs> flapping up and down as they're dancing along you have to do that impression right now russell hats <laughs> tail as old as tom <laughs> dumbass girl and beast oh <laughs> uh, so good uh john john says 1823 xl island dr is a coachway tai chi class building so coach has really just bought so much real estate out here on the island uh. <laughs> What a, a I was going to say social media mogul, but what an actual mogul. What a real estate mogul. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Finally, Justin Feinberg says 6969 yep. Exile yeah. Island Drive is the address of the hotel where Terry Dietz spent some private time with his wife oh, on the ward. <laughs> My wife. We got a shout out to, to his wife this week. I know. He's been watching the show with my wife. Yeah, I mean, like, everyone thought that it was bad that Kama just wanted to get to the loved ones visit, but Gavin was just trying to make a really extended my wife joke, so, like, I, I respect it. Yeah, like, I'm here for that. All right, so, Shannon, I know you had a bit of hard time sifting through the numbers. What did you settle upon for your address to give to David Wright's mailman? Okay, so 69, no. Um, for me, I was like, well, who would I want to find, you know? And so at all times, I'm wondering, where is Tony Vlacos? Where are his clones that he left behind on the island? So I feel like I looked into my address book of tricks, and I found that he and his clones are at Top 5 Baby, Lama Lane, off Spy Shack Street in Clone County. On Fiji, I guess. <laughs> Clone nice. County! Oh, I love that's, it. That's great. I love Clone <laughs> County, especially. Because Tony goes missing, you know, and you're like, where is he? I'm always wondering where Tony is. So, yeah. Well, is it buried, though? Mm, Because I could also imagine, like, Clone County is entirely populated by Tony's clones. Yeah. So it's not easy to lose him. Yeah, exactly. Like, can you just imagine, like, it's kind of like a a beautiful place. You know, I think Josh kind of outlined it for us. But just Tony clones running around, like, I want to go live there. 
Well, now I'm imagining more Beauty and the Beast instead of the song Belle taking place in the village. Now it's all Tony saying bonjour. <laughs> oh my God. Can you do that bonjour. one? Bonjour. <laughs> Yeah, there goes the baker with his tray like always. <laughs> <laughs> and he's great. going, oh! <laughs> oh boy. All right, Liana, what did you have to say? Oh my goodness. Nothing as crazy as that. So uh, our rule, Ron Clark rule number 56 is Ream Daily. So I was inspired by that. So uh, this is 56 Ream Daily Drive, which was previously the Edge of Extinction Circle on the Island of Extinction. And that's the address for mailing all of the puzzles and bottles and riddles and random rice packages that are all sent to the Edge of Extinction. That's where you send them. That's mm. like her mail forwarding address now. Exactly. So the, will she be receptive to any maps she receives? Ooh, it's a great question. I don't know about that. <laughs> Return to sender, dude. Uh, yeah, I don't do that, bro. Send it back. I did love in this episode how Eric was like, he was talking about how no one's going to leave the island. He's like, Green's too invested to leave. It's like, yeah, <laughs> at this point, definitely, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Green's like, might as well last. And Meryl's will stay here a little bit longer. Uh, all right. So I had 53 Gentry Gardens in honor of the one and only Jan Gentry, because this is the address. Of this survivor pet cemetery. So this is all. I was inspired by watching commercials for the new pet cemetery. And I was thinking this is where, you know, the the little baby bat was. The chicken legs were. This is where poor Balboa Rupert Snake is. I'm loving Uh, this dead animal conversation. (laughs) There are there are two open graves for the chickens that were never found because Wendy released them. Like all all the animals from survivors past end up here. And who knows, in Edge of Extinction fashion, maybe they might have a second life in this game. Yeah, nothing funnier than dead pets. Yeah, we're talking about what is the dead pet cemetery? Like, you said a commercial? Is that a real thing? Are you making this up? Well, Pet Cemetery is a Stephen King novel. It became uh, a pretty popular movie. Now, there's a new version of Pet Cemetery coming out with the one John Lithgow. Right. Okay. I will not be seeing that. And even like this Pet Cemetery conversation we're currently in. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to mail Mike to. Yeah, I mean, 6969, don't talk to us again, drive. As I said, I'm a vegetarian and I only eat mayonnaise, so <laughs> this is why I don't like talking about the pet cemetery. Would that be your new Twitter Stop bio? Her. I'm a vegetarian and I only eat mayonnaise. And <laughs> That'll be on my tombstone and it will probably be linked to why I'm buried. Yeah, but your tombstone gonna... will be like Shannon well, Gates. She was, a, she was a vegetarian, only ate mayonnaise. Yeah. Quote, you be horse to yourselves and horse each other. Yeah, yeah like Shannon Gates, she only ate mayonnaise will be like one of those tombstones that also like explains the death, so it's good. And you'll be buried right next to the pet cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be in Mike's creepy pet cemetery. It's not mine, it's Jenny Gentry's. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be getting Mike's mail from his mailman at the pet cemetery. I just, I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't open that. Those are for my eyes only. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. So yeah, next, sure. next week's question. <laughs> uh, in, in honor of Eric sort of talking about how on the edge of extinction, there's really nothing to do. It goes from a million to zero, coupled with that silence scene that I was talking about before. What's a good way to pass time around camp? 
You have a bunch of ways you can reach out with these uh, your responses to this question. You can always use the hashtag RHAPBNB on social media. You can uh, reach out in the patron Facebook group on Reddit, on the Rob has a podcast, uh, Rob has a website.com post. You can email us RHAPBNB at gmail.com. In addition to any games you might have in mind, uh, we do have a couple of games coming up in the hopper. Thanks to listeners like you. So be sure to send us any other ideas. If this week is indicative, we are open for anything and everything. And we're going to go over all of your time passing activities. And I'm sure much more everything double elimination wise with this upcoming episode of Survivor 38 next week. I'm really excited for this guest. So there is a YouTube user by the name of Per Diem. For those of you that might not know him, he is a YouTuber that creates content on Survivor, Big Brother, maybe a little bit of Amazing Race. And he is without question, probably the best Survivor YouTuber I have ever seen. He is so thorough. He's so entertaining. He edits so well. He just puts together such compelling videos. He's been doing these for a few years, and I'm so happy that he is coming on to join us, I believe making his podcast debut on the B&B to talk about next week's episode. Very, very excited. That would definitely be, be a lot of fun. He, I, yeah, that's a really good guess. Yeah, uh, and I think with like the craziness that we might get, especially because I think it's going to be a double boot. So I think it's going to be a lot jam packed into an hour. Like it's going to be a fun show. And of course, we would want to bring on someone who is used to the YouTube algorithm, cramming a lot of information into a short time frame. So we'll see if Per Diem keeps, keeps us on the clock. Uh, if you have not heard of him and you want to check out his great stuff before he comes here on the B&B, just go to YouTube and type in P-E-R-I-D-I-A-M. Uh, I know it's pronounced per diem. It's spelled a little bit differently, but if you check that out, he has a bunch of great videos. Most recently, he, he's done the uh, top five challenge beasts for females and males. He's got a whole backlog of great Survivor and Big Brother content. But before we move on to the per diem, let's bid adieu to Miss Shannon Gates. Shannon, thank you so much for coming on and joining us for all of this. I'm so sorry I could not give you a cap as a consolation prize for these games, but I hope that you enjoyed us as much as a big heaping spoonful of mayonnaise. I did. I really enjoyed Liana and Mike. You were there um, as well. <laughs> <laughs> just like now that you brought up the cap thing, I'm just so angry again. No, but I always love coming onto the BNB, talking about how I'm going to die, talking about pet cemeteries, working out Mike's weird sexual fantasies with his mailman. So I'm going to go mm-hmm. take a shower right now. And thank you for having me. <laughs> Of course. Smart call. <laughs> so how can people follow you on social media? And do you want to do a bit? Uh, so International Survivor is still, you know, has a little bit of time left in the tank before we end up uh, premiering it onto the scene this summer. But do you want to preview a bit as to what's to come with wrap ups? Yeah. OK, well, you can find me at Shannon Gates, G-A-I-T-Z. Um, yeah, as Mike said, Survivor South Africa is starting, I think, 12 hours after Edge of Extinction ends. So, you know, no oh need God. to break. We still, yeah, Mike is having a baby in the middle of all that. And he's obviously my co-host for Survivor South Africa. So that's going to be very, you know, easy for him. But um, what we're going to do is, yeah, obviously be recapping it in a month from now, which means you still have a month. If you, for some reason, haven't watched last season of Survivor South Africa, get in touch with me. You will binge it in one day because you won't be able to stop. It's that good. I will say that on every podcast that I'm on. So, yeah, Survivor South Africa coming up. And, um, yeah, you can, I can give you all of that. Also, please continue to like my David Wright summoning circle tweets because one like equals one prayer. And we're really working against something here. But no, yeah, this has been super fun and I look forward to continuing to talk about the season with everyone on Twitter. 
Let's make sure we get as many prayers in there as there were reactions to the post. I'm just, please, uh, dr- no one talk to me for the rest of the day in response to Joe and Sierra's <laughs> engagement. Let, let's, let's get that ratio going similarly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Smart call. Liana, how can people follow you and what do you have going on podcast wise as of late? Oh, wow. Uh, so you can find me on social media at Liana Boris, L-I-A-N-A-B-O-R-A-A-S. And of course, in addition to doing the BNB, uh, Mike and I are joined by Brent Walgamont to talk about all things RuPaul's Drag Race, which season 11 is being absolutely insane right now so uh it is going to be a very exciting episode if you're very interested definitely check that out um and yeah that's about it also super excited for us international survivor to come back so looking forward to the two of you covering all of the craziness yeah i wonder if could we compare this week's untucked liana to the insanity of this tribal council in a manner of speaking it was very parallel. Yes, I can definitely see the comparisons. <laughs> it was like, uh, I can't handle this much craziness, like in my reality TV two nights in a row. Can we all calm down? <laughs> yeah. But uh, loving all of it. Brooklyn Heights was basically the Victoria role of just putting her head in her hands and being like, this is crazy. She's being crazy. I would. Yeah, I would love this idea of like Kelly or Victoria just like piling on uh, logs on top of themselves (laughs) during the tribal council. (laughs) I'd be very much here for it. Just try to bury themselves. Uh, You can always follow me at a Mike Bloom type. You can check out the Star Trek Discovery podcast I'm doing with Jessica Lee. And speaking of Jessica Lee, I'm. Amazing Race 31 is starting up very soon. If you haven't listened to it yet, her, I, and Dan Heaton put out a cast preview slash draft from all the way back in June uh, to give our thoughts on the cast. I also did an interview with host Phil Kagan uh, this past couple days where he gave his thoughts on not only the theme, but each of the teams as well. Shannon, I'm intrigued to hear from you. I know you probably have a, a, a dog or cat in the race considering one specific team but what are your thoughts about this upcoming season of the amazing race yeah i'm so excited i mean i'm a amazing race casual from way back you could definitely put me into the casuals corner there like as much as i make fun of the survivor casuals pretty much the only team i remember is uchenna and joyce who i feel are kind of like the boston rob of um the amazing race even though boston rob was obviously on the amazing race i also remember him um, no, I'm super excited to get back into it. And my cat in the race is Brett LaBelle, who yeah. I love and who was on the Survivor New Zealand podcast. He promised a LaBelle's lobster hat to the Chizzy winner, went on the amazing race and then came back and still sent the hat, which I thought was very kind because I thought by the time I messaged him again, he'd be like, I've kind of been through something here. Like, I really don't have time for your Chizzy award. But no, Brett, Brett's the best. Brett and Chris, I'm 1000% rooting for them and I definitely will be watching. So just to be clear, you received a cap and you were not angry that time around no i didn't receive a cap it went to the chizzy winner of surviving new zealand but it's okay because i have so many caps from the cruises i go on where i compete in every single competition and continue to win caps unless they screw up or if they screw up in you know what the cruise i went on i just they weren't they weren't keeping score well enough that was my main issue with the cruise anyway it's not important (laughs) <laughs> this is where the camera pulls out to reveal that it was Jordan Kalish keeping score on that cruise All the entire time. It honestly should have been because they screwed up like a bunch of the of the scorekeeping for the competitions. Like that's why I gave it four stars. I was like, good food, good activities. <laughs> why were you not keeping keeping score well? Like it wasn't just don't forget the lyrics. It was some of the Sudoku competitions, some of the treasure hunts. Just anyway, that's just me <laughs> being competitive well, on cruises. <laughs> 
Hopefully this was at least a four star podcast for you all out there. And this was a great feather in the many caps of one Shannon Gates. Thank you so much for coming on again, Shannon. Cannot wait to talk more Survivor with you both online and on mic in a month or so. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next week with her DM to break down this double episode, double boot episode. I should say two boots, one hour of Survivor Edge of Extinction. Considering what we just experienced. I think we're in for a wallop in more ways than one. A special thanks to Scott St. Pierre for editing this behind the scenes. Our head writer, Paul Oselson and Wolf from America for the use of our theme song. Thank you all so much again for listening. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. We'll check you out at your next day. Mike and Leona, yeah, they're playing some games. And I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.